Good morning, Alfred DaCosta, your host, Living For Him. Hope you're doing well this fine Friday morning. Today's show is going to be built around a very important meeting that I'm going to be having with uh, my boss of my boss of my boss that happens to work for the conference and all that good stuff. It's a, it's a position that's tied to the church. Uh, today's meeting will determine in some ways, my future, my livelihood, um, my source of income, my place of residence, my, well, that's all I can think of right now. So with that, I want to talk about a little bit about what I do. I want to talk about my denomination a little bit. And and uh, ask for prayer, actually, as I enter into this busy um, moment in my life. So let's get started.
So I'm parked here at the hospital at the edge of this parking lot, which happens to be elevated to where if you park, I believe I'm facing north, you can see somewhat of a horizon of the city. Um, there's a big cornfield in front of me where the corn is beginning to grow all over again. Um, we have not ever experienced anything like this. I have never watched corn grow before. We uh, moved from Wichita, Kansas, which is uh, Go Shockers wheat country. And moving here to corn country, I have never seen corn harvested, which I sat in the same place and watched just last year. And I've never seen the process. I mean, it looks like it takes forever to grow from what I thought in the beginning. But when I look now, it's growing very fast. And it's uh, a place I like to come to reflect, spend some time with God. And um, from this point, I want to share with you some of what I'm getting ready to do today. Stay tuned. I've been somewhat of a um, education hooker as I have um, changed majors several times, um, jumping from medical field to computer science to communications to theology to... I think that's everything. I think I jumped to theology a couple of times and then jumped away from it, but needless to say, I have uh, a lot of credits, but not all that go to one particular thing. And one of my passions uh, when I was in Wichita was working for a Spanish church where my wife is from El Salvador. I am from Jamaica, first generation in the U.S., similar cultures. I speak some Spanish, not so much. And I was the youth director. And um, I would uh, teach them in English because that was the preferred language. And one day, I got a tap on the shoulder that... Um, a unique opportunity has presented itself in Nebraska, Nebraska City namely. And this is what it was. There was a family in Nebraska City that grew up here, lived here for several years. You'll find that this town is very historic. A lot of museums. Um, it was made big by the Morton Salt company, the Morton family, was big here. They moved here. They um, have a mansion here that is now a museum. He has a little statue there, too. And this thing called the Whispering Bench, which is kind of weird and kind of cool. It's like this big bench that makes kind of like a, like a half circle. And it's huge. And you sit on one edge, and because of physics. If you even whisper at one end, if someone else was sitting at the other end, 
they could hear very clearly, almost as clearly as a telephone, the person speaking to them. And so that has nothing to do with what I'm trying to say right now. So, on top of that, there's a lot of people who have been here for several years, grown up here, lived all their lives. There are some names here that if you mention the name, Kreifel, you know, that's like furniture. I mean, those people have been here, strong Catholic um, background here, um, you know, Wibley. Uh, you know, there's just certain names. You go to the cemeteries and you'll see um, these people have been here for several generations. They were probably some of the pioneers that, you know, uh, moved across here. You, you'll learn from the history of this place that a lot of these little towns are established because of people um, expanding or moving out and maybe um, transporting um, livestock or or grain or something and then just making a um, a checkpoint and this town ended up um, definitely booming and becoming big um, so Morton Salt the you know the girl with the umbrella and the salt pouring out the back which I wish she would just I wish someone would tell her which again has nothing to do with what I'm talking about and then Argo if you've ever heard of Argo cornstarch which I love cornstarch not to eat just out of the box it's just so versatile I mean it just thickens gravy um, it dries things out if you need it to uh, it's just you do all kinds of good stuff with it and um, so you know that's that's where you know this town is all about and so we moved here because there was a that couple I was talking about they they're um, octogenarians elderly they ended up um, passing away and in their will they they described their love for this town and they described um, that they have left a, a sum of money probably equivalent to I don't know a year's worth of salary and that their their desire as a last wish that the love of Christ would be spread um, continued and I think they did it because, you know, a lot of their members, um, it's a it's a small church here that I go to, and a lot of them are, are upper in age, and so, you know, going out and spreading the gospel isn't, I mean, I guess you could do it in a wheelchair, but, it, you know, temperatures, it's just not an easy thing, okay? These folks have, were probably active at some time, but now are coming to the end of their lives. And, and so this couple did pass away, and they left a sum of money with this last wish. And nobody said anything about it, because the pastors that were coming through this church, they could tell their hearts were not in it. They were just people that were passing through because they had to, not necessarily because they wanted a part of this community permanently, or that they wanted to um, make this their, you know... Uh, but they didn't have a heart for it, I guess you could say. And what ended up happening is one particular pastor shows up, the one into which is my senior pastor right now. And this is when this particular news came forward. And so if you read the bottom of the uh, Morton Salt container, it says, when it rains, it pours. And one of the big problems back in the day was that if it rained and you had salt in your cabinet, 
the precipitation would cause it to turn into rock. And so you got like the salt lick. You can't season your food. And you could like bust a piece off and just like set it in your food and boil your your food. I, I don't know. I don't know what they did. But one of the, the innovations of, of Morton Salt, if you notice in the picture, she has an umbrella. It's raining. She's holding a salt container. And there's this disturbing um, image of salt pouring out the back. And so what it is is that when precipitation comes, you know, this salt still pours. And that was a huge selling point. Anyhow, so this couple, back to the couple, who passed away, left this money, their last wishes. This money was being held, and it wasn't being... It was supposed to be um, communicated to the, the church leader at the time, but pastors were coming through. No one was saying anything because it wasn't the right time. And so now this pastor that's here... They saw that he had a heart for the people, that he cared. And they came and they approached him and told him that there was a sum of money that was left for this very purpose. So he, he put a call out to the conference. Um, our denomination is run by a conference of sorts. I think many others are as well. Not sure. And um, so they started looking for somebody. And somehow, I don't know how they found me. I, I believe it was, it was God. It's a God thing they somehow ended up going into a, a Spanish church finding an English-speaking dude who is a, um, a youth director and offered the position. I think um, they knew I was trying to finish up school to go into theology and that I was almost done and um, gave me this opportunity. So the next obstacle was, was talking to my wife about it, you know, because... You know, she's very close to her family, and I am too. We both come from big families. We are, um, which is why we have so much in common. Our cultures are similar. Our um, our family um, appreciation. I come, though I come from a family of, of seven. She comes from a family of three, and we have family appreciation. Our in-laws were living right next door to us. They are actually very gracious in-laws. Didn't have a problem with it because. You know, I've spent a lot of time with them um, campaigning for their daughter. Uh, we were high school sweethearts from 15, 16 years of age, dated for 10 years, remained remained celibate by the grace of God, which is not, you know, um, because I was um, a horny bastard. And, and so uh, that worked out, and uh, we ended up marrying, been married 10 years all that good stuff and um, so so talking to her about that was tough because she um, she wanted to you know she to leave her family would be like cutting off her oxygen supply and I and I saw it I agreed with that you know we're used to depending in some ways on them and and so you know if, if, if we came up short that month you know we always knew we could get some beans or something from her mom next door and they weren't very, uh, they were very respectful of our space, and and so talking to her about that, she had to do a lot of praying, you know, and she suffers from um, anxiety, depression at times, um, they've, she's been to counseling over it, I think m most of it, it has to do with medical anxiety, I think, she may inherit that from her father, um, because she has a lot of, like, little health issues, and, um, so yeah, they you know we, we talked and we prayed about that, 
and um, decided that that we would do that. But something interesting happened um, in moving up here. Is it up here or down here? I think it's up. Okay, whichever. And this is what happened. So the first six months were a mess because getting settled and getting used to the idea that we were really solo out here was very difficult for my wife. And, uh, you know, finding a place, that was tough because this place is, is about selling houses and, and the ones that are for rent are usually kind of like insider material and you'd have to know somebody who knew somebody down the street. And one of the ladies, an African-American lady, one of the only ones, or very few ones in this town, had a very high, um, very, um, what, what do you call that? She had reference. She was a high reference. Um, she's a name that was well known in this town. She suffered through all of the things that were suffered back then. Um, where uh, being one of the only African-American, she couldn't find a job here. Um, she didn't give up on that. She uh, ended up, uh, she was becoming a school teacher, ended up having to commute about 45 minutes away to Lincoln, where they would allow her a job. And finally, you know, as that era was passing, you know, she was appreciated and loved. And now she's definitely one of the matrons of this town. You mentioned her name, Give Hand. People know who she is, um, and and so I used her reference and immediately got a rental. But the interesting thing I wanted to mention was that, you know, f because my wife and I grew up under supervision um, a lot. You know, in school, you know, parochial school, you know, um, dormitory. Um, Three-second hugs, um, <laughs> all kinds of interesting nuances, but um, we got used to being in the public eye a lot, you know, being supervised, and so even in public, we're not overly um, affectionate, um, and so just now, recently, I, I'm coming into it, where and when I when I say overly affectionate. You know, normal people may hold hands or put their arm around each other or, you know, maybe a kiss on the cheek or a head on the shoulder. Or, you know, those are standard things. And I think because we couldn't do that for so long, it's not that we don't want to. It's just we don't think about it because we're like, well, it's not because we think people are watching, but it's just because we're like, well, we just don't think about it. And so now I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do this. I'm an adult now. And um, with that, we uh, we're here, and we're um, we're starting to learn something here. We're starting to learn that um, we're a family unit, and that we can depend on each other and depend on God, which is a phenomenon that we had never known before, because we're used to that um, depending on the the parents being you know just being indirectly coddled and because it went from a supervisory to a you know now you depend back on them and and so now this there's this independence you know we're, we're getting to establish our own the, our family name and so now it's come to a place where we appreciate it so much that we don't understand how we lived any other way 
we started to realize that a lot of people would intrude on our our um, our privacy in some ways, indirectly, you know, always just kind of in the vicinity, always, you know, in the house, stopping by, on the phone, you know, and so I just accepted it, you know, I, I never really... I never really took that role as a male, as the priest of the household, so to speak, to, you know, to to have my own family and to do our own things. And so this, this thing out here in Nebraska city, uh, the contract was supposed to be for about a year. And, and, um, in that time we've, we've established our own and we love it so much that we protect it kind of like a, um, something that's protected. Violently, I don't know. Bears, lions, um, golem. I don't know. Lambus bread. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm trying to paint a picture here. And uh, so it's like, uh, anyways. So, so that leads us into the work here. And so check that out. So the position um, was supposed to be for a year, and it got extended to a year and a half. Um, because of what was taking place in this church. Um, several things. You've probably heard me mention that my intentions were wrong here. My title is an unusual title. Um, I'm a Bible worker, which it's probably more of an inside name because it just doesn't really make much sense. But all I do simply is I give Bible studies. And... It has a lot to do with going um, door to door or mailing out campaigns and me handing out either DVDs or flyers that that have Bible studies. And, you know, I followed this model for the first three or four months and with the intention that, if you've heard me say this before, that, um, that I was coming to, to change people, to bless them with my, I don't know, awesomeness, and, uh, uh, anyways, um, which didn't work out so well, uh, because, um, I, I started to crave a, a, an organic experience, I wanted, I really wanted to know if Jesus could do what he did back in the day, I wanted Christ's method. And so, you know, we come up with these ways to try to charm people, persuade people, teach people, prove them wrong. And maybe if you prove them wrong, you know, then they'll come your way. And, and honestly, you know, um, when I get to the section when I talk about my denomination, there's this thing I heard about asking the why. And, and I do have the good why for why I am who I am. Um, because I, I came to that place where I asked myself why I was who I am and what I'm even doing here. And that question actually came up here in Nebraska City, and I wanted an organic experience. So Christ began a work in me by the power of the Holy Spirit, allowing him to do that. And my intentions changed. I, you know, I wanted to impress the conference, and I wanted to see that I can bring people in. To my church because our church is diminishing in some ways in numbers and when that becomes the focus it, it's it's an ugly thing you could say not to say that that's what was explicitly said but you could say it was 
It wasn't expressly said, it was more implied, I would say. And so I would I would work hard by my own power, and eventually I got tired. And um, and I said, Lord, I, I want what you do. I want I want you to do this. So all the Bible studies fell off, all of the door to door fell off, and I just started going out in the community. And you know the name of my show, Living for Him, and just listening, saying, Lord, where do you want me next? And so it's been this unusual opportunity where you know you have the freedom to go out and and really just allow Christ to direct you. And it's been happening. Um, miracle after miracle. Um, the miracle is, well, of course, within me because I, I'm very, very um, set in my way, very selfish person. And so um, going out there, I'm meeting people and I'm starting to have Bible studies that are just natural. They're not me knocking at your door and saying, Hi, you should be who I am because I can prove to you that this is correct. And you're wrong. And and all that. And so it, uh, it was a game changer. My life has been changed. God has taken me through um, some, some training. And so... Uh, what ends up happening is we're coming down and, and, and now our church has been growing and strangely it has nothing to do with me, which is somewhat disappointing because I really thought it was up to me and uh, it has nothing to do with me. And that's what's really unusual. Um, I think it just has to do with opening your heart and saying, Lord, what next? What What is your desire? What's your will? And so... While I'm making these connections out in this town, God is growing the church on his own. And um, now we're coming to the end. So this is what's about to happen. So now I'm at a crossroads in many ways because, yes, I've come to the end of my contract. And the conference doesn't accept losers. I'm just joking. Don't accept people who don't have their um, degree. It's very, it's very much. And so you come to that whole, you know, debate of, well, do we, what do we do with those who are called to ministry and those who don't have education? And, you know, so that's a big, like, what, four-day um, rendezvous. But um, with that put aside, really, um, I've come to a different crossroads. Um, we're about to meet today at some restaurant which I'm supposed to choose which I don't know which one to choose because they're probably vegetarians which I don't have a problem with vegetarians just that our denomination that's a whole other thing when I talk about my denomination so I have to pick a place and um, and I'm supposed to meet with them and they want to know all of my credits that I've taken and they want to it seems like they don't want to continue with me um, because I'm almost done with school they want to give me a position as a pastor, but they can't because of my credentials. And um, so it seems like um, it's 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 an emotional roller coaster for my wife because she's seen the hand of God working in this year, and she sees that the next natural step would be for me to go into this ministry full time. I'm a student pastor right now, I guess you could say. 
more of like a spiritual leader in the church. I mean, you heard the title, Bible worker. And um, and so now she's a little disappointed. She's a little crushed about it. And and they've been telling us the same thing. You have to have your education. And, and you know, when the leaders don't communicate, then you have another one come by and ask you the same question. Hey, how's that going? And hey, we need to meet so we can talk about it. And it's the same answer. And so it's a little bit, um, can I say the word hackenide? I learned that word. That's fantastic. That's like a, I don't know, 50 cent word. Anyway. And so it's kind of, uh, it's worn out is what it is. Uh, moribund. Let's try that one. That's a 75 cent one for me. Um, it's just dead. It's just, um, it's just the same. It's beating a dead horse. And I don't even know what that looks like because I've never beat a horse while he was living and and to beat one that's dead I don't know who came up with that I'll probably google that if you ever find that out share it with me but uh so beating this horse that is uh deceased and so today looks like it's going to be one of those things but you know God but God you know isn't he bigger isn't he bigger than denomination isn't he bigger than a conference? Isn't he bigger than our biggest problems? Our fears, our doubts? And so I start to realize that this really has nothing to do with them. <laughs> and this is why. Um, this training that I've gotten, it has to do with something that I believe is is what God is doing. I believe we're living in the last days, okay? And I'm not one of those guys that are like, you know, digging a hole under your basement so that we can live off of canned goods and um, survive. I believe that we're living in the last days. The last days are a scary time for many people. There's a lot of movies that make fun of it, which probably takes the edge off for many. And, and But it's also a distraction, I think, because I, I do believe we're living in the last days. I believe that God is pouring out his spirit. Um, many of you who are my friends on Anchor, who... Um, I frequent a lot. I, I listen. If you you know who you're talking, you know who I'm talking about. Um, is because I see something in you, and, and it has to do with the last days. I see that God's spirit is being poured out, and people from all over, different walks of life, different religious backgrounds, and there's something that's coming awake within them, and it's the spirit of God, and and it's we're coming back to our um, <clears throat> our first love. Um, I believe that. Um, our church is there's an awakening that's happening there's an awakening that's happening across the world and it has to do with the kingdom of god and the kingdom of god actually being here now living in our hearts and i think that's the there's a last day message which has nothing to do with what i'm talking about right now so so yeah i believe god is pouring out his spirit in these last days and i want to talk about that later because that's a huge thing for me it's an exciting thing because it's not what we thought it was. It's not the scary thing. It's a it's a it's a powerful, exciting thing. And I'm seeing it happen all around me as as I'm running into these people in, at anchor and I'm and, and on these streets and in my life and and so with all of that said, that's a whole other segment, so stay tuned on that one. But so I'm at a crossroads. Isn't God bigger than all of these things? 
And so I, this is the crossroads that I'm at. They're trying to figure out if they want to keep me and, and have me be a pastor or continue as Bible worker, especially with my credentials not, you know, you know, not being where they need to be. And I'm not mad at them. I really am not. I love, I love my church. I just do. I mean, we've had some history, which actually when I talk about our denomination, you'll learn that very quickly. We are, we had some drama. And, um, but the fact of the matter is that um, I'm at a crossroads. I'm wondering if I even want to continue, not continue in my denomination. I, I love my church because, you know, like when you, when you suffer in, in the trenches with your peeps, like, and then there's those of you that emerge from that murky nightmare. You just, you, you have wounds and you, you have others you can relate to. And it's a, it's a warm place, uh, you know, when you, when you, um, overcome or victor, victorious. Uh, but, um, when you get past all the stigmatism, stigmatism, just bear with me. Okay. I, I can, I, this is my station. I can make up words, uh, stigma. How about that? Um, or stigmatism. If you have an eye problem, um, glasses, contacts. Anyways, um, you could think of it as a stigmatism, actually. It really was. You know, the church, I think all the denominations have gone through something, something dark. There's a dark ages. I know there's a dark ages before that, but this was a dark age, uh, I believe, in in religion. And now I, I think nobody wants anything to do with religion, which I can't blame them. And really doesn't matter in a way because of what God is doing. Um, man, getting back into that thing. That's another segment um, where um, God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's what the that's what's happening. But I'm going to drop that one and get back to what I was saying. I'm just excited about that. I'm excited about what's happening. Uh, Jesus is coming soon, friends. So back to the lecture at hand. Perfection is perfect. I'll play that song later. Um, but pretty much... Uh, What's happening is uh, I'm wondering if I even want to continue. And um, and I'm not saying I want to leave my church. What I'm saying is that God wants us out there in those streets. And he wants us to be his hands and feet. And this year has showed me that you can do that. Um, you can be out there and, and God tap you on the shoulder and say, Fred, that person needs me. Just give him a hand. Say, say this to them. Give them give them this hope. Give me to them. Give, me, give them Jesus. That's really... And I, I found out it's simpler than I thought. It has nothing to do with me. We just need to give people Jesus. That's it. And His Holy Spirit does the rest. It may not happen that day or that month or year. It could be several years. Think about your conversion story. How long did it take you to come around? I don't know, some of you may not be as stubborn as I, but I'm a mule. And so, um, with that being said, uh, I'm at a crossroads where I'm wondering if I even want to go to this meeting because I'm like, I, I don't even know if I want to continue with the conference because I don't want to be married to a building. And I'm not saying anything bad about pastors at churches. I mean, that's it's a very effective ministry. In fact, churches are supposed to be where pastors are out in the streets part-time, and in their denomination being a shepherd. But that doesn't happen these days because of all the 
administrative stuff I've, I've, I've seen, you know, because I've, I've been acting as a student pastor. I'm learning the ropes and what it takes. And so you're, you spend a lot of time doing administrative things, being married to the building, and also um, putting out fires within the congregation. And uh, I'm sure it's not that way for everyone, but so here's where I'm at. I want to thank uh, Victoria for uh, for letting us know that we can rant because <laughs> this is a long one, man, and I'm starting to question, but uh, it's okay. So let's keep going. So this meeting is here. We, you know, we finally arrived. The meeting is happening today, and I'm parked here. I'm reflecting. I'm looking, listening to God, and I and I'm excited because I, I don't know what He's going to do with us next. I'm actually looking for a job. I used to do life insurance, and that would still allow for the flexibility of being in the streets. My wife got a job. She's going to be starting on Monday. Um, I don't know what's going to happen next, but. Um, that's why I'm going to need prayer. And so if you would do that for me and, um, this next series of segments are going to deal with my denomination because it's something I haven't been very clear about. You just see kind of nuances. Um, and a part of it is because I I've been somewhat, um, shy about it, which I guess could be, I don't know, a bad thing. Um, because, uh, you know, we usually look on the internet to learn about somebody rather than just talking to them, (laughs) which is a story of my life, by the way, which is why I don't even mention my denomination. Because if you're just letting Christ live through you, it's, that's not a, not Christ, you know, that's it. Boom. That's me. But I do, um, fellowship with a a particular uh, denomination and, and even for a particular reason. And so uh, I think I'm going to share some of that. So thanks for listening to all that other um, incredible um, outpour of my soul. I don't usually do that. Um, you know, I, um, I work with youth. And so I know that their attention spans are not very awesome. And so I've learned to, if you notice how many segments, there's probably like 20 segments. Because I keep things short and quick. And, and I try to convey things in quick quips and, 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 um, to get my point across because, um, you can't afford to, to pontificate, um, because, well, they won't listen and, uh, which sucks, but, but, you know, uh, and so that's the way I I talk. And so if you're really listening to this, man, you're a listener and congratulations. I, I, you deserve something. (laughs) I'm impressed. Um, and so, uh, uh, yeah, so here we go. Let's, uh, talk about my denomination, I encourage you to um, ask questions and don't go to the internet. No, do go to the internet and find out that, um, yeah, just do whatever you want, okay? But uh, I'm going to afford you some clarity. And if you have questions, drop them. And and if you want to know why, the why I am what I am, I even have that answer as well. So... It's been awesome talking to you guys, and uh, stay tuned. So this will be fun. We can make this even a game. So perhaps you could stop the segment after this and guess based on this stereotype. So I don't eat pork, and 
I go to church on Saturday and I have a strong understanding of prophecy, the three angels message, and the second coming of Jesus is super important, uber, I'll just use uber, uber important. And um, have you guessed it yet? I'm going to go even further. Um, Ellen G. White, you might know now. You've got to know now. So that's what I'm going to spend the, the rest of this series talking about and where I stand on these things. If you haven't guessed what I am, I'm going to say it in the next um, segment. But um, stay tuned. <laughs> I am a Seventh-day Adventist, and our church has come a long way. Let's just say that. Um, I have, uh, we've, we've uh, done a lot of things wrong, well, just like any other denomination, there's problems, but, you know, ours are, uh, are particularly uh, interesting to me because I lived through it. And to kind of answer those stereotypes before I kind of go into it more, my experience with the church, I'll say um, pork is not a deal breaker. Um, I think earlier on in the in in our church history, it was something that almost seemed like it was a, a salvation point because people were so like I don't know like preoccupied with it. Now, as far as do I eat pork? No, um, it's not any more so because it's something that, uh, you know, Leviticus talks about it. But, you know, God gave those health laws back in the day because um, it just, you know, like he'd say, okay, guys, because we didn't have like the doctor, you know, so he, he would give natural practical advice, you know, like don't. Don't wash, don't take a, a crap up upstream and then wash your clothes downstream. Don't, you know, do certain things, you know, at certain times of the month with your lady. You know, there's just, there were just practical things because they didn't have like, you know, all of the, the sanitary things we had in place today. You know that the pig is, is a bottom dweller and no, that's, <laughs> that's shrimp, but um, um, scavengers, they're scavengers, vultures, you know, whatever. So, you know, I think the other night, uh, you know, I listened to one of your stations and you had shrimp. Sounds delicious. Does that mean I haven't, I've eaten it and, and I will eat it for you on air if you'd like. It's not, it's not a problem. Okay. Because, um, my generation, if you were in my church between, if you're around the thirties, like 30, 31, 32, 33 through 36 years of age, you're a part of that generation that kind of looks back at your parents and you're like, bro, calm down. Like you guys are out of control. And that's not what the Bible says. But, you know, we all have these things we get hung up on. Even in our generation, we have things we're hung up on. So I'm not hung up on that. It's not a salvation point. Um, if you want me to eat a pork chop, I will eat it. In fact, it's delicious. It's not my favorite. Um, bacon and lettuce and tomato with mayo is delicious. I learned that, you know. Um, I ended up living, my, my mom married a guy who um, 
was not Adventist, and so he was a pork eater, and I've eaten pork and chitlins and all that good stuff, okay? But I'll tell you, it gives me it gives me um, the runs. If I that is that better, or do you want me to just say diarrhea, um, explosive diarrhea? If I could say that, um, and it's not a mental thing either. I mean, someone said well, that's just mental. I don't know how you have mental diarrhea. I mean, I guess you can, you know, like when you're spouting off at the mouth, it's like mental mouth diarrhea. But um, it just it doesn't sit well with me. And uh, you know, pig is not the healthiest. You 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 look at the doctor says. You know, don't eat it too many times. You know, don't eat it too much. Um, but uh, one of my my bestest friends on on Anchor, his last name is Bacon, so I love Bacon. Okay, but uh, so I guess all of that to say, I don't have a problem with Bacon, um, and I don't care. So don't comment on this and say, well, why don't you? You guys, I don't want to hear it because I don't care. I told you that I'll eat bacon for you. I don't care. I'll eat pig. I'll eat pork. And you could talk about it on your station that you're going to have it tonight. It's just these are things I go through. People try to oppose me. And I don't care. I'm from a different generation. I'm just explaining to you what our church has been through. So I might go and uh, grab some bacon or something. <laughs> so that's the bacon. Um, that's the pork bit there. It's not the healthiest thing, but what is healthy? Um, back then, um, you know, people didn't live very long. Um, God gave them those Levitical things to, to keep healthy, happy, wise. Um, and they were practical. Uh, could we learn from some of it? Of course. You know, a vegan diet is always better. Vegetarian diet is better. And our denomination is really big on vegetarianism. So, so that's that. So that's stereotype number one. Before I get to the other stereotypes within my denomination, I want to talk about an experience that just happened. I think while I was recording the pig segment, I got a call from an advisor at WSU in Wichita, Kansas. The, one of the pieces of this puzzle with the crossroads that I'm at is meeting with this conference official from the church and then having an advisor from um, Wichita State University in Wichita. The crossroads is, do I just want to get a general degree because I have all these credits, or do I just want to try to push through um, with this degree in some kind of ministry, seeing that I don't have the money, nor the resources, nor the time, nor the energy at times. And this advisor calls me and he's, he's saying, you know, okay, well, I, I see here that you'd be very close to get a general degree. He says, but you need to talk to the liberal arts department and they can tell you which one you're closest to. Because I just want to be done with it. I just want a degree because apparently it looks pretty on paper. And you probably know my sentiments about education. I think it's a, it's a, um, it's a pain. And I think it's, I don't feel like it, it's, I don't find much value in it. But I'm working through it. So anyways, what he ends up saying is, um, he says, you know, before I go, I just want to say something to you. He says, I see here that you've taken a lot of credits, and he says, I have um, advised people in this very same position that you're in. So he got my attention because I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, it sounds like you're, you have, it looks like you have some, some religion degrees here, or um, credits here, and, and that you're just wanting a general degree. And I've, I was in that same crossroads, he said, where... He just wanted to get his general degree um, as opposed to doing a ministry degree. 
And he says that now looking back, he regrets it because he sees that, um, that while he, he did get the paper, it didn't get him to his goal and that he ended up having to do more in the end to arrive at the position in ministry. Well, teaching, I guess, is what he was into. And now he's an advisor. But I, I'm not, I don't know this guy. He's uh, not my friend. Uh, I mean, I was cordial with him. And I didn't give him any, any indication uh, that I was wanting his advice. But I think that was a God thing. And in fact, I'm going to say that it is because education works for some people, okay? And and I don't think it really works for me because it's annoying and it does not sum a person up. Their intelligence is not measured by that. And so you can, if you think of education as a tool, then good. But if you think of it as like a definition, as a defining thing, then, you know, we might have to reevaluate our lives together. And, uh, but... I am convinced now that I, I don't know what's going to happen at the meeting today, but I know now that I don't need to get my general degree just because I want to get it done and get it out of my hair. Because how does something like, how does a, that's only God. There's no way that, you know, evolution didn't make that happen, man. So anyway, uh, just wanted to share that thought. Um, so if you've been praying, thanks. And things are starting to, to happen. And uh, so back to the, um, the stereotype number two. Stay tuned. So stereotype number two is um, dealing with the fact that I keep the law out of love. And I don't keep the law to save me. I keep the law because I am saved because of what Christ did his perfect life here on this earth and you know the only way we're going to be able to see God is if we are perfect the Bible does say that but how do we obtain that well there is only one who is perfect and only one who is righteous so the only way that I can I can seize upon this is to accept what he did for me on the cross and allowing him to live his life through me, which is the sanctification process that we go through as we take the Christian walk, as we, we live and we learn and we grow in Christ. And the old things we used to do, we don't really do anymore because, not because of us gritting and bearing it, it's because of the work that Christ is doing inside of you. So with that little mini-sermon comes the fact that um, there is that fourth commandment. Um, remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. And you know that I Sabbath so hard. I do a couple of segments on that every Friday night to Saturday sunset. Um, a majority of you, a lot of you go on Sunday and some of you don't go at all, which I don't judge any of that. And neither do I care to even change you. But um, one of the stereotypes is that because that's a part of our name, Seventh Day Adventist and you look at the dictionary and it's seventh day is obviously Saturday and that the Roman Catholic Church changed it and that all these Protestants are following what the Catholic Church changed. Um, I, again, I come from a generation, if you're listening to the previous um, segment, that 
doesn't really care. I, I don't. I don't judge. I don't care. But I, I, I know for me, I keep a Sabbath. Um, I think. Do I think it's an important thing? Yeah, I do. I think that one day a week, um, that um, it's important to spend. Uh, well, you can spend time with God anytime, right? But you know, um, you know, like a painter has his signature on a paint. You know, on a painting. Um, you know, there's something that marks who God is, um, and and our God, the one true God, He is His signature is is that He's the Creator, and creation points to God, and um, and God rested on the seventh day, and He did that kind of like a signet, kind of like a a marking like to say you know this is who I am there's all these other fakers these other slim shadies these these um, um, these um, duplicates but there's only one true God and the way you can know who he is is by looking around he's a creator and um, so he blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it now um, one of the big uh, I guess stereotypes that comes with my denomination is that's what we're all about. Oh, well, and people argue with me. Like, they'll come out of nowhere. Like, I'll tell them I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, and then they'll go on the Internet that night, and then they'll find an argument. And, again, I, I don't I don't engage in that. I mean, I guess I could. I'll play along, I guess. But um, it's not, that's not the point. Um, you know, if, well, you know, you, you're going on the wrong day, and, um, you know... Christ is, is, he's about the heart, and he's reading your heart, and he's reading my heart, and, um, and we're supposed to give each other grace, and we're not supposed to be judging each other, you know the whole thing, okay, I'm not going to really go into this, but, so the stereotype is that that's what we're all about, that's all we go around and talk about, and, um, and so people will argue with me on that, and I, I'm not arguing with them, do what you want, man, it's fine, but, to argue the, the, I guess the um, the stereotype on that is that that's all we think about is the Sabbath and that we are right on that theological point and so we stand on that. And I'm sure there are people in my generations before that were like that. I talked to people who were Adventists before who have suffered horribly because of this denomination and how people have made that the central theme. So to answer that, the Sabbath is important to me. I'll explain that why later, but it's not. It's not. Stereotype number three is prophecy. Um, so we study prophecy a lot. Um, and um, it's, I guess the stereotype is that we, we're just making up stuff. Like we're just like, oh, I got this idea in a dream that, you know, fill in the blank. But actually all the prophecy that we do study is biblical it's all biblical and it all adds up it it all does um, um one of the big ones that we talk about which i'm sure some of you guys do too i mean is you know the um the story of daniel and um the statue and with the head of gold all the way down to the toes of iron and clay and how that actually plays into our, our um it actually plays into history up to today and um, one of the big misconceptions is that the end of time is a scary thing. 
and and our denomination has made earlier on they've they've kind of made the mistake of kind of making it all about prophecy and not the love of Jesus and it's good to know prophecy but knowing prophecy is not supposed to just give you knowledge and I think that's what a lot of people look to prophecy for I mean we have um, prophecy like of Jesus Christ the things that all pointed to him being born at the right place at the right time um, and what those things do is they forewarn us of things to come and um, the other thing is that they are to encourage and to comfort us if it's doing anything else like it's making you go to a basement and rock back and forth with a toothbrush and a can of um, string beans then you're, you're looking at prophecy incorrectly if it's something that's coming out of your imagination like God told me that you know um, that uh, I'm Jesus uh, then probably not I don't know if you saw the article there's a guy he's got a following it's amazing how he did that anyway so you know but prophecy is is, is a the biggest misused tool in the world um, a lot of times prophecy was also given to to communicate a message to the people of the time um, we've seen that all through Bible history and so now if there's any prophecy to come up today, it's not about some new discovery. It's really, if you have the testimony of Jesus Christ, you're speaking prophecy, brother or sister. Jesus is coming again. That's the next message. And um, we need to get ready. And how do we get ready? Well, it's not doesn't have anything to do with how good or bad boy you are, naughty or nice. It has to do with um, choosing Christ, allowing him um, to, to, um, to live his life through you, to, to have a relationship with him. That's what he wants. And so that's another mini sermon. But so I guess to answer that, um, and there's a lot more to this. This is just a short segment. If you have questions about all this other stuff that I'm talking about, I know I don't cover everything. I'm just giving you stuff off the top of my head. But so with a denomination, the a big misconception is that prophecy is is a tool to to discover something that that we don't know and then it's also used as a weapon to scare people straight and that it's also the only thing to focus on whereas it's supposed to be to encourage and to prepare and to communicate the present day message and the present day message is that Jesus is coming again and that getting ready is just a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So anyway, um, so that's that one. I'm trying to think of some other stereotypes. Stay tuned. Uh, so this next one's fun. It's Ellen G. White. And if you Google her, you're going to find all kinds of fun things about her because our denomination considers her a, um, a prophetess. And you know we all have a prophet in our denomination that um, makes us look weird. And... So, um, really, uh, to kind of clear up some things with that, whatever you Google on that, um, there's a perfectly good explanation for a lot of what you may see. But, um, really, I'm not here to defend her. Um, she's a good author. She's written a lot of books. Um, I don't, I, I know one of the misconceptions within the denomination is they, they've kind of made more out of her than she should have been they actually quote her like scripture 
which is kind of weird. And um, but that was again, I'm a part of the generation that looks back at my my forefathers and say, guys, chill out, and understand more in perspective of what it was meant for. Remember, we talked about what prophecy is all about. She had a message for her time period. Um, it was, um, and, and it had a lot of it had to do with things that were being done back then. And so what people do is try to carry those things into the present time, you know, weird things like, you know, there's a time that she, they just quote what she says. Well, she said that we're not supposed to buy bicycles, so we're not going to buy that. Whereas at that time period, I think people were making a big deal about it and um, making it their God, kind of like buying a, f a expensive car, maybe. And so you get weird things like that. And, you know, she she's really big on the health message, you know, um, back in the day when people were like, you know, um, smoke, uh, smoke cigarettes to help the clear the air passageways in your lungs and and help for an expectorant when you are experiencing phlegm. And, you know, and <laughs> you can look that up, too. I mean, but at that time, she was like, no, guys that's not it's not good in fact it's better to eat a diet this way you know vegetarian less flesh foods um less and so there you have it so then you have like this long line of adventists who are either vegan or vegetarian we have one of the blue zones in the world because a lot of the adventists have lived longer than a lot of people but a lot of people have made the health message their god and i would rather eat a ribeye than to waste my time being um, ridiculous and and I do eat meat and and I, but I do it in moderation whatever um, everything in moderation so the big misconception is that she is our God in a way like people make her out to be more than what she is um, really um, she's just a human being like you and I she 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 made a caca just like we do every day she puts on her pants one leg at a time she's a human being now, I, I believe that she was, um, I believe God spoke to her uh, in her time and um, some amazing things. Um, but and I think that the messages were pertinent to that time, um, especially with what people were going through. And even now, I think the message that she has for now is that Jesus is coming again. That's really the bottom line and that we need to get into a relationship with Jesus. That's it. So I believe there's even prophets today. Um, I don't think I would call them that because people start looking at them thinking, well, what's going to happen tomorrow? Whereas, again, that's another misconception. That's called, what is that? The, the lady with the Cleo. And she's actually Jamaican, I think. Miss Cleo. You know, um, that's that's fortune telling. Whereas prophecy is is speaking the message of the day. This message of the day is Jesus is coming again. Let's get into a relationship with him. That's prophetic. So anyways, um, so that's the LNG White thing. Um, and uh, so I think those are the major stereotypes. I just wanted to cover the stereotypes and then um, kind of close with some things about the denomination and the why, I guess. And so stay tuned. Well, there's so much more to tell you, friends. And uh, man, if you got this far, you're nuts. I don't even know why you're listening, but you know, I, I want to let you all know that I appreciate Anchor and my Anchor family to be able to share myself. I, I don't, this is not, you know, I'm the guy who says all the right things. And um, 
and and know how to do it very well but this is a part of me and um i can tell you that um i'm excited for the future and i don't know what's going to happen with the school thing um i just saw just now popped up on my phone um a good luck from kurt which i appreciate and uh praying for peace from victoria and i thank you very much for that um but i'm hopeful and i'm excited because uh, man i am i'm excited to go home i i imagine my anchor crew um i uh I, I imagine the time we're going to get to spend together in eternity. And it's so exciting. Um, it used to be a distant kind of a thought. But, you know, heaven is now. Heaven is now because with Christ living in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, we can experience it. You know, life hurts, I know. But there is something... I mean, we can start having heaven now. People will see that heaven in us because we're excited and we're happy and we're free. We're finally free from all of this garbage and nonsense and and all of the lies and, and all of the misconceptions within religion and without religion and, and just um, the brokenness. And so... Uh, I'll just, that's a whole lot of other segments I'll get into. But um, that's a little bit about me and the denomination. Um, there's a lot more to it. Um, just know that whenever I speak, I, my, my agenda objective is not to make you into one of me. Um, I believe that Christ has called you within where you're at, within your denomination, or if you're not within a denomination. I, I believe that Christ has called you as there's an awakening happening right now. As people are, are getting back to righteousness by faith and that it has to do with a relationship with Christ, um, people are awakening. And I, and I love to fellowship with people who are doing exactly that. So um, I, uh, I am going to leave from this spot and go get ready. I'm going to go get ready for this meeting and, I, and then thank you guys for your prayers, your support, and I'll let you know what happens. And uh, can't wait to get caught up with you guys. So, talk to you later. God bless. Love you guys. Wow, Alfred, this whole. I'm so glad I clicked on your station right now. This has been. I've been listening to it from. From the beginning of the day up until I just stopped at the Ellen uh, segment because I wanted to call in <laughs> before I forgot what I was going to say. Um, first of all, so encouraged to hear about the journey God has you on and how you had to come to a place of humility and start thinking about ministry God's way instead of instead of your own formula for success. You know, I mean, I think we all have that moment probably more than once of needing to choose humility instead of our own way and our own understanding of what we want to get done for God. And, um, man, just hearing about your whole story, I've, I've been praying for you. I've been praying this whole time that I've been listening. So I'm really excited to hear how things are moving forward. 
Hey, Victoria, thanks for the prayers. It is coming along um, very quickly, I'm noticing. Right now, I just sent an email out to choose what place we're going to eat at, and I'm going to print off some of the paperwork with all the transcript information, but I, I feel encouraged. I really think I needed to get this off my chest, and to be able to have uh, listeners to just kind of process with you, man, it makes all the difference in the world. And so um, as far as excited is concerned, I have to tell you, I am I have this problem with, with excitement that I get so excited that, you know, like dogs will like pee, you know, that's, I, that's, I'm like one step away. I mean, it's, um, so it's hard to convey. It's really hard because I'm not a very, um, I don't express emotions correctly. So I might just, I might just pee. I also wanted to say um, that I, it, I don't think it's weird that you're Seventh-day Adventist. I don't even know. Like, I didn't even have a preconceived stereotype to go from. I literally had no idea. when you At first when you said Sabbath, I was like, I don't think he's Jewish. Like, <laughs> I'm sure you get that a lot. But I didn't even really know. I've heard of Seventh-day Adventist. I just didn't know what it was referring to um, belief-wise. Um, so I did. I went to the internet and I, I looked up a real quick, like, bullet point belief system thing. And as far as I can tell, I mean, we're all part of the family of God, right? Like, we've, we recognize the authority of God. We recognize our depravity. We look to him and bam, we're family, you know? So, um, yeah, nothing weird there. I also wanted to say um, that I, it... I don't think it's weird that you're Seventh-day Adventist. I don't even know. Like, I didn't even have a preconceived stereotype to go from. I literally had no idea. when you At first when you said Sabbath, I was like, I don't think he's Jewish. Like, <laughs> I'm sure you get that a lot. But I didn't even really know. I've heard of Seventh-day Adventist. I just didn't know what it was referring to um, belief-wise. Um, so I did. I went to the internet and I, I looked up a real quick, like, bullet point belief system thing. And as far as I can tell, I mean, we're all part of the family of God, right? Like, we we recognize the authority of God. We recognize our depravity. We look to him and bam, we're family, you know? So, um, yeah, nothing weird there. I really appreciate you using the F word there, the family word, um, because that's important to me. Uh, family is huge, and we are family in Christ. And I think that our denomination in its earlier time did a good job of of kind of um, excluding themselves, whereas I know other denominations will push people away, and which is probably the same thing. But um, you know, we're like that weird, awkward kid in the classroom who has like knows all the answers, and then doesn't have any friends because they're like I don't know, yeah. And um, you know that you looked online. I'm glad you. I'm glad that worked out, <laughs> because there's so much stuff. Because you, our movement happened back in like 1800s, and there were a couple other churches that came up at that time, which I have no qualms with, but we get confused with sometimes, like um, like Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses. To which, if you are one of those and you're listening, I love you. Don't worry. Um, but um, we're definitely um, just Christians, just Christians. There's not like a, um, yeah, 
it's it's not occultic, I guess. Um, which happens sometimes where people wonder about those things. So anyways, um, yeah, thank you. It's also been really interesting listening to you talk about the different aspects of your denomination because the Sabbath part of it, which I, yes, yes, absolutely, yes, please, we all need a Sabbath rest. And I would say that God created that Sabbath rest for us so that we could have the cycle of work and celebration and work and celebration um, because we would need that time. Um, so um, I also think it's really interesting, though, because you also talk about prophecy. So for me, coming from Baptist background, full of tradition, and then moving into non-denominational with charismatic slash Pentecostal leanings into the spiritual giftings introduction, which is a whole other topic, um, it's interesting to hear you come from a place where you hold both of those things. Like that's really, really interesting to me. I'd love to have conversation about that. I got to tell you that um, I agree with that spot on, you know, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And I think that we've complicated it. We've complicated it so much that it becomes a burden when it's supposed to be, like you said, rest. I think it's his signature of who he is. I think it, it, there's a verse that talks about where it shows that it is he who sanctifies us, which means he's the one doing the work inside of us. And resting is a, a good way of being still and knowing he is God. And then, and then, like you said, you know, I think it's something, and I don't think, I know we're going to enjoy it for eternity. Um, it's going to be a celebration. And when you said that word celebration, man, that's exactly how I look at it. I treat it kind of like New Year's every Sabbath. But um, as far as prophecy is concerned, we have uh, um, an emphasis in an area with prophecy, but um, I would like to also talk more in the next segment about um, some of uh, what you said in your next comment about um, um, more of the charismatic um, speaking in tongues and healings, which I'll, I'll just give you, a, I guess, a preview. Um, yes, yes, and yes. And uh, as far as the, the prophecy emphasis that we um, look at is, um, is something that is so blown out of proportion that I don't even know if I want to get into it on this segment. Um, but it's, 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 it's going to be a long dialogue. Let's just say that, and I'm excited because, you know, hey, we seem to be accepting of one another, but the bottom, the, the emphasis is on this thing that people blow out of proportion as far as the mark of the beast. And I know that a lot of people talk about the, the Catholic Church, and, it, and it's, it's hurtful, um, I think. Um, also, with as far as um, the beast and talking about uh, the mark of the beast, and we've talked about everything from the chip in the hand to all of this nonsense and please know just strike those things from your mind when I say those words because it has nothing to do with that it's completely biblical and then that there's an end time message that comes from prophecy which I, I talked about earlier that is um, has everything to do with um, well getting ready being ready uh, a last day people um, where um, we're spreading Jesus and so that's more of the emphasis on prophecy, um, but on the next segment here, I'll kind of um, add what I can here. So I actually do have a question for you, and like I, I think I said in the first call-in, I'm sorry about so many call-ins, by the way. I can't help myself. I'm in this rash of call-in mode. So anyway, um, 
I didn't finish listening all the way through all of your segments, but so if you already talked about this, feel free to disregard. But I was wondering, um, with your background being accepting of things like prophecy, where do most of the churches in Seventh Day Adventists fall on the topic of speaking in tongues? Are I know there's for me it was a really rough road. Um, that and also um, supernatural healings. Um, those two things were probably the hardest thing for me to work around coming from Baptist into non-denominational. So I'm wondering, what's that like for you? Um, and what was the background? And what is it like now? Hey, I'm happy for the call-ins. And um, I just want to be able to give uh, meaningful answers. I know some of these topics are huge and enormous. And so... Um, hoping to afford more time in the future to to be able to expand on them. But to answer your question, you said back then and now, dealing with speaking in tongues and supernatural healings, listening to how you came from a background of a tradition to a more charismatic um, Pentecostal leaning, which does make perfect sense um, with what you're saying. They're non-denominational. And previously with us, I don't think that um, it was nothing frowned against frowned upon um, I don't I don't think there was ever an emphasis on it or that it would came up much and so um, I don't think that that we that they were opposed or that we were against it it, it would happen within the denomination and um, as long as it fell into the category you know the, the the confines of what you know speaking in tongues anything from the day of Pentecost to um, having an interpretation, you've probably heard all those verses and things that come up about that. But if if it does come up, it's more of like, um, because that's where God led it. Um, it's not anything that we try to accomplish or to to use as a symbol of our being baptized by the Holy Spirit. As opposed to um, supernatural healings. Um, the approach that we've gone with is more of like a fasting and prayer, and we've seen God intervene in amazing ways. Um, but so, yeah, that's uh, that's like a, man, a light touch on it. As far as where we're at today is that it's, I'm seeing more supernatural healings. Um, tongues are happening, but I haven't seen it um, locally in my area. I know it's happening out there in the denomination. Um, but it's certainly not something we're against, and it's um, it's biblical, so um, I'm hoping to afford more clarity on that um, to kind of dig a little deeper. So anyways, yeah. So I want to make sure that I answered the question. Um, do we practice those things? I'll say that, you know, on an average Sabbath it's not a part of the service I, and I don't know how it works on your side like uh, and and I haven't had it happen at church um, we've had it to to where we've prayed over people and they've been healed and we believe in that we believe God can do that but we haven't had anyone um, stand up and speak in tongues um, I've heard of it happening and in fact my pastor told me about the church he went to where that he pastored and it happened and there was an interpretation and that was that the end so um as far as the institution is concerned that's where where that is as far as i'm concerned um i believe the same way i if you were to 
to get on air here and start speaking in tongues i i it it would be i wouldn't be used to it but at the same time i know it's biblical um i would pray for an interpretation or or that there would be an interpretation i've seen it abused um but i don't think that's what you're talking about um also as far as the supernatural healings um I believe God can do anything. I have, uh, I've had it in situations where I've prayed for the dead to rise because that's where my faith is. I believe God can do it. And he said no during the times that I have asked for it. But I, I, don't, I don't go by what things look like. Um, if I believe God can do it, he's bigger. And um, does it get abused, the healing thing? Yes, it does. But I don't think that's maybe what you're talking about. So, um, so definitely, it's it's biblical, and I hope I answered your question. If not, um, please let me know. Hey, what's up, Alfred? I was surprised that you were the Seventh Day Adventist. I don't know; it was my big shocker for the day. Which I guess if that's the most shocking things that happens to a guy in a day, he's probably having a pretty chill day. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, I wanted to throw a question in there since Victoria got to. Seventh-day Adventist and, and beyond, Christian in general, what gets a person into heaven? That's, that's my question. And I've been asking a lot of people who are Christians that recently. Um, what is it that gets people into heaven? So if you could tell me your a punchline on that question, if some you know random stranger walked up and said, what do I got to do to get into heaven? I'm going to be alive the next 80 years. But what do I have to do? Um, what would you tell them? Thanks, bud. Hey, Kurt. Thanks for the response there. I have to say, um, this is a great question because it really comes down to the bottom line. Like, it makes me think of like a like a uh, elevator pitch. You know, you got minutes to kind of give your your punchline, like you said. And and you know, I think about sometimes you know going door to door out here, and I'm like, you know. If you go to a door and you're going to start off with your first few sentences talking about your church building or your church or your your prophet or your whatever, then you're you're missing it, you know, like cuz you know, you want to give them the most important thing. Let's think of like a dire situation. Someone's dying in your arms. You want to you want to say your last words. You want to give it give them something meaningful. And so, I think, you know, the answer is Jesus, of course, but you're wanting to know what that looks like. So I'm going to try to give you some verses that are right off the top of my head. Um, there's a couple of verses. Uh, I'd have to get the exact location, but it says that, um, you know, for God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. So the question is, who is doing the judging here? We know that God is the ultimate judge, of course, but what is, he, what is this judgment being based on? And when you look further, further down, it says that, um, it says for, this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, and it says for this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, but the, lo the world loved darkness for fear that the light would expose them. So really what it is, is that truth, light, I am the light of the world, Jesus, comes here and he presents himself. And there's no mistake, because light, what does light do? It reveals. 
and people don't like light. And so you have this, this option, which comes down to a choice to say, what do I want to do with this stuff that I've got that's being revealed? Do I want to hang on to it? Do I want to let it go? And a lot of people will choose to hang on to it and go to a darker corner so that they can enjoy that which they do not want to let go of. Now, this isn't to say that we don't let go of things. I know I have things in my life that I don't let go of. That's a whole other situation. But um, this is the judgment, really. Really, we judge ourselves based on our choice because um, God has been doing something before we were born to try to appeal to us. He's been trying to, to woo us with his spirit. There comes a place in our lives, and we can try to account for those who never find out, so to speak. And but we're talking about you and me. We're talking about us right now. Uh, it's being revealed, and then we make a choice. It comes down to a choice. And so, you know, um, previous Christian tradition has always talked about. You know, it's, it kind of make it like like God is like Santa Claus. You know, it's just like you know, you're naughty or nice scale. And so, how do we know we're going to get home to heaven? Well, hopefully, your good deeds outdo your bad. But honestly. It really comes down to this. It comes down to making a decision to accept something that is bigger than you to eradicate your account. And there's a lot more to all this, but this is just a little, like a, a short form. So the choice is, Kurt, if you want eternity, you can have it today. Now, I know there's Calvinism, and I know there's Arminianism, and the thought that once saved, always saved. And then the other side of the scale says, you, well, it's, it's a relationship with Jesus, but it's after all you can do, which is kind of like a Mormon thing. But uh, the bottom line is, if you want it, you can have it by faith, by accepting something bigger than yourself to cover your multitude of sins. And so, you know, the only way we can see God is if we are perfect. And that's, that's, I mean, right out of the Bible. So how do we become perfect? And you, you heard me mention it earlier. It has everything to do with accessing the one who is perfect, putting on his robe of righteousness. And it's something you can have. Um, there's a 40-day um, um, challenge that I do, which I was thinking about doing on Anchor, which has to do with these 40 verses that teaches Christians, like myself, to let go because I am so indoctrinated with this belief that it, that there's something, there's got to be something, something that I, I can do to make this gift better. And there's no half measures in the Bible. If you look at, you know, he lavishes his love upon us. He, he has uh, his great love that he imparts. I mean, there's no like, you know, maybe he will today, maybe he will tomorrow, depending how he feels. So that's just the beginning. I hope that answers your question.